go backpacking every October with eight to ten other people. All of us are clergy, and we call our trip a pilgrimage because it has all the elements of one. Retreat, physical and mental challenge, walking, praying, and shared meals. The meals were not always shared. The first year, which was 2017, I think, we had dinner teams, groups of three to four people who were supposed to plan dinner together. That first year, my team didn't know how, so we just all brought our own dinners. I remember feeling both smug and lonely during those evening meals. Smug because I did my research and my dinners were delicious. Lonely because I was the only one enjoying them. I felt envy of the other teams gathered around their common stoves, sharing food with each other. The next year, I got it together with my team. We killed it. Four nights of gourmet backpacking food while hiking through a 36-mile slot canyon on the Utah-Arizona border. I introduced a soup course, providing delicious broth-based soup to rehydrate my team while we worked up our very delicious meals. Every other team was jealous of us, and it felt good. (laughs) The year after that, everybody got it together, and every meal team outdid itself. And still, something didn't feel right. In talking with my trail bestie about it, I realized that I didn't love the feeling of competition that had emerged between the teams. It felt like we were all trying to outdo each other. I was anxious about having the best food and the best team. And if I wanted to be the best, well, did that mean I wanted someone else to be the worst? So in the fourth year of our trip, in the fall of 2020, we decided that everyone should eat together, all the same dinner, every evening. It took a lot more coordination. It felt so much better. Finally, our pilgrim dinners felt like a feast. Our gospel this morning is horrible. This is not a nice parable. Jesus tells it just days before he is put to death. And he tells it to the Pharisees, who will be instrumental in killing him. And it's a parable in the Gospel of Matthew, which means the community that wrote this parable down was in deep conflict around issues of belonging and rejection. So the edge is real. This parable is wild, difficult to understand, and even more difficult to tame. That's not a bad thing. Parables are supposed to be wild. They are supposed to flip us around and challenge us. And this parable is a challenge. It's got outer darkness, lots of violence, and a simmering anger. 
that's not very comfortable to face. We don't hear this parable about what the kingdom of God is like and feel good. So how does God come close to us in a text like this? Let's start with the centerpiece of the story. The kingdom of God is like a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. I can get behind this. This idea that the kingdom of God is like a new beginning for a beloved child. The kingdom of God is like a feast, a new beginning that is made better, that is blessed by the sharing of food and drink with people who belong. I like this. I can endorse this. Yes, this is what the kingdom of God is like. And we know you cannot have a feast by yourself. So the next question the parable asks us is, who is coming to the feast? And that's where things get complicated. First of all, who wouldn't want to come? Free food, joy, celebration, sign me up. And the king in this parable begins by inviting the most appropriate people. The people he's known the longest, who are the closest to him. But in this story, the people who make the most sense to be invited to the banquet don't want to come. They just have other things to do, things that feel more important to them than feasting. These are the people who are supposed to be close to the king, and they reject his feast. Can you remember the last time you were rejected? I bet you can. Rejection hurts. Being rejected can feel violent, even if no physical harm. Is done. The community that this parable was written for, the community around the Gospel of Matthew, they knew all about rejection because they were Jewish Christians who were being rejected by the parts of their community that did not accept Christianity. It's no wonder they remembered the king's anger in this parable, his vengeance. They knew all about rejection and how awful it can be. So now, the kingdom of God is like a beautiful wedding feast given for a beloved child. But the people who are supposed to want to be there don't want to be there. They reject the invitation to the kingdom. And in doing so, they harm people. And as a consequence, they are harmed. That would be enough for me to stop there and say, yes, okay, wild parable. I get it. God's kingdom, the feast of celebration that God wants to share with you and me, the experience of relationship and joy of communion that God offers to us, It is an invitation that will interrupt our lives and our agendas. And if we are not careful, we might reject this kingdom. We might not be a part 
of this feast, and that is tragic for everyone. That would be enough to learn and think about. But the parable does not stop there. The king will not give up his feast and eat alone. The point of a feast is to share it. The feast is a physical incarnation of human relationship, people eating with people. The king wants to be in this kind of relationship with people, so he decides to invite everybody to the feast. Bad and good, the ones who deserve it and the ones who don't. Anyone who will say yes and walk into the dining hall gets to come to this feast and be in this relationship with the king and with each other. It sounds great if you are an idealist, but in practice, this might be the most wild part of this dangerous parable. This is grace. It does not matter who you are or what you've done or how appropriate it is for you to be present. It doesn't matter. God's kingdom is for you. This urgent feast of joy and love is for everyone who says yes. So, if we do say yes to this kingdom, we won't get to pick who we sit by. We won't get to choose who eats with us. This is what happens with the guest who doesn't wear a wedding robe. He came to the feast and then refused to celebrate. Maybe he didn't like who he was sitting with. Maybe he didn't know that the good and the bad were going to be invited. And that is an idea that, if we are honest, is just as wild and uncomfortable for us as the idea that we might need to interrupt our lives and our plans to come to this thing. The kingdom of God is like a wild wedding feast, one where even the people who say yes sometimes get there and are both offended and offensive. Several years ago, my kids' elementary school had a fundraiser at McDonald's, where you could eat at McDonald's and the profits would go to the school. Our school was the local public school, and it had incredible, rich, ethnic, and racial diversity in the student body. It was also a school where over 85% of the students qualify for free lunch, so McDonald's made sense. Now, I knew that McDonald's is not the healthiest dinner my kids could have. I am friends with lots of families who refuse to ever feed their children fast food. And I remember sitting at a table of moms, watching my kids run and scream their way through the McPlay structure thing, and realizing that sitting at my table were four women who had very little in common. We had been born in four different countries, had four different ethnic and racial and cultural backgrounds, and were experiencing different levels of economic 
and social privilege. If it weren't for McDonald's and being the parents of first grade girls at Midway Elementary, we would not have the opportunity to sit and eat together. That night, in that place, the kingdom of God was like McTeacher night at a fast food joint. Filled to the brim with children and parents of all shapes, sizes, colors, economic classes, dreaming of good education for their kids, and sharing cookies and french fries with each other. I could have skipped it because I don't like fast food, or I didn't want my kids to stay up late and get hyped on sugar, or because, real life here, I'm pretty sure we'd fed them McDonald's the night before. Or I could have gone and refused to enjoy myself. I could have gone and sat away from everyone and made my kids eat salad and left as soon as possible. If I had made either of those choices, I would have been alone in a place where I could have feasted. I would have been in darkness in a moment that instead provided me with company and love and light. Here is what I think this wild parable has to say to us today. There is a feast here at this table each week, yes, and also within you and between you and other people. The kingdom of God is something we are invited to live into every moment we are on this earth. It is a feast we are invited to, and it is also a celebration we take part in hosting. This is the overarching message of Jesus Christ, that God's kingdom is at hand, and all people are invited to feast there. Wherever we are in this world, whoever we are enjoying, whoever we are hating, loving, escaping, pursuing, These are the family members we could be feasting with. So I ask you, will you interrupt your life to come to this feast? Will you welcome all human beings to this table and to the table of God's love and generosity as expressed through you? If we can say yes to this, no matter where we are or what is happening, we can experience love, relationship, God, and community. If we cannot say yes to this invitation, it does not matter how tasty our food is, because we will be eating it alone, out in the dark. 